can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hey, hey, hey and welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, joined by my lovely-ish co-host, Jane Carol Ann Hammer. And before Ooh. we get into the episode this week, I want to let you know, if you want to keep track of us between apps, you can always find us on our socials. You can find us at on Instagram and on Facebook at Movies We Missed. Jane, how are you doing this lovely 4th of July morning? You know what? I'm great. I love that you dubbed me a Carol Ann um, for my middle name. Uh, for those of you who have seen the movie, you understand that that means that I am loyal. And my star sign is Leo, which is synonymous with loyalty. So I just felt like that was a really nice one and I appreciated it. Okay. <laughs> That was a, like, I didn't I didn't mean that at all. That, no, I'm, no, you gleaned what you gleaned. And I and I mm-hmm. love it. I love I love it. Um, you do you. remind me of Carol Ann a lot as a character. So, oh, well, I think there's some differences. But um, anyways, you know, we, we, we can get into those. Carol Ann was rocking her natural hair color. But <laughs> I, um, there's a lot of stuff that I thought, like, just vibe wise. I was like, this yeah. feels like a Janie move. Um, wow. <laughs> Well, to bring it back to the 4th of July, happy 4th of July to you um, in this crumbling institution um, and experiment we call the United States of America. You guys won't be getting this on 4th of July, but this is just when we're recording. So we're saying it to each other. And, you know, we guys hope you had a good one, whatever, however you choose to celebrate. Absolutely. We hope you're, you know, keeping your neighbors up with fireworks. We hope... (laughs) You know, there are lots of stressed out cats and dogs that have been listening to him near you. Um, mm-hmm. we, we hope for all things that have come that have become quintessential with our understanding of the 4th of July. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, from a political standpoint, things aren't going great. So it doesn't really no, no, feel no. like the meat cute is in order this yeah. year. But you know what? We're all just trying to get through it. So if you got to, you know, fire up the grill and get some some juicy brats going, you mm-hmm. know, and uh and, you know, whatever. Just make sure you know any of your... Maybe we don't fuck with the homophobic uh, cousins this year, though. And when they say yeah. something disrespectful, we say, we say, shut your fucking mouth, Brett. We bite the fuck back. Yeah. And we should. In between hot dogs, well, we're, of course... <laughs> At least trying to have a nice day off. Hopefully um, everybody has been able to get a little extra time off for Fourth of July. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> let's not forget that the Supreme Court stripped off, stripped us of many, many, many Yeah, the rights. Supreme Court such a shit right. show right now. Right before we're supposed to celebrate this country, which is Yeah, and let's not upsetting. forget that motherfuckers voted against affirmative action who benefited from affirmative action. It it boggles is the mind, but that's like that's a whole generational wild. conversation. Like, do as I say, not as I do, and like right. just like selective amnesia. Uh, but right, it's it's I, a whole other thing. It's it, it, it's a burying your head in the sand and thinking things are things are fine to make a decision like that when when you 
I mean, you just walk around with blinders on, I guess. Also, I don't know. also these white women out here, y'all remember that white women have benefited disproportionately but from affirmative action more so than any other um, group of people. So it's like you're Absolutely. cutting off your nose to spite your face. Uh, but I mean... Mm-hmm. Voting for these people. It is, I mean, uh, this all, y- y'all gotta, uh, I, I can't, I, you know. I know. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But we just, we just want to say that we stand with our listeners, though, and we're all going through it together. And uh, mm-hmm. we support you. And we know that holidays like this, as many of our holidays can be, like, really um, can just be really trying, especially for marginalized groups, because it's like, what's it, what exceptionalism? What are right. we what are we celebrating? Like, you know, the lie that we live in the greatest country in the world, the lie that this country was ever the greatest country in the world. I mean, yeah. the lie that we have freedom, the lie that we have equality, the lie that, you know, um, you know this is a country for all like it's sorry i'm i'm going off on a ramble no you're when I right to- it also just smells like smoky the bear's just been farting outside because this air quality <laughs> has been on, it's been on pu for days and it's finally gotten back to like a decent level but I, it's just like what I, I am just so overwhelmed by the crumbling of everything i don't know how to move forward I and almost, i certainly don't know how to spend the fourth of fucking july i also um imagine that like I don't know. I was going to make a joke that you wouldn't have gotten because you would have been like, what are you talking? I don't know. Never mind. I was going to make a what Sweeney Todd mean? joke. It was a Sweeney Todd oh. joke because there's like a beggar woman character in Sweeney Todd who runs around at, who runs around occasionally singing city on fire. <laughs> and I was going to make a joke that somebody could have been running around RP uh, mm. singing that. It's stupid. And it was gay of me. Um well, I will say isn't it's it's sort of inside, but the people who get it will appreciate it. And the delivery, by the way, congratulations on it because it was on a tepid delivery. Yeah. <laughs> congratulations on doing the bare minimum, mama. <laughs> congratulations of explaining what the joke would have been instead of just doing the joke and then hoping that like your people got it. <laughs> yeah. If you're out there, you you all know. The the yeah. ones who get it get it <laughs> the the real ones <laughs> and if you have bad knees then you're probably a real one just yeah. so you know age sometimes <laughs> is a factor so if you're watching that Kalesti, if, then you may be in the crew um if yeah. 10 p.m feels like 4 a.m to you then you fucking get it you cracked the code. We did it. Mm-hmm. Jane, I'm so happy to be here with you. Um, we have mm. a movie like we always do. We do. We um, do. I gave you a movie this week. Um, it is 1981's Mommy Dearest. Um, mm. I did write a little something that I wanted to share. I'd hope. I hoped you had. I hoped you had. And hopefully it's sort of the tradition that we've established at Movies We Miss where you sort of do, um, you know, a retelling of what happened in the movie. Sort of a, uh, a, a I think the word we use for it is synopsis. Yeah. Um, I yeah, can I confirm that's, that's the word. Yeah. Um, Great. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take it from here. I'd love to hear it. Fasten your seatbelts, fellows. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, wait, wrong Hollywood diva. 
Okay, this week we focus on screen legend Joan Crawford. Well, to be fair, we focus on a docudrama of her life based on a biography written by her estranged daughter, Christina. Now, I am not here to confirm or deny the accuracy of the story. I am a huge Joan Crawford fan, but also stand with victims of violence. And regardless of what is real and or fiction, this film is a wild ride. Faye Dunaway stars as the titular character. Only four years removed from her historic 1977 Oscar win for Network, Dunaway threw on the eyebrows and the victory curls to tackle the role of Mommy D. She probably thought this one would ensure another Oscar nod. But after a largely tepid critical reaction, those hopes were all but dashed. But a funny thing happened on the way to the Oscar podium, and a camp classic was born. In this interpretation of Crawford's life, she is a woman who has everything. A beautiful home, an endless bevy of mustachioed milquetoast man candy, and an ass that you could bounce a check off of. Only one thing eludes the cinematic siren. Le baby. And in this tale, Joan wants a child. Bad. But she also wants to remain relevant in the public eye and to communicate a more domestic image of herself to adoring fans. Joan seems to have figured out a way to kill two birds with one stone. She adopts a flaxen-haired little girl named Christina, simultaneously filling her maternal-ish instinct and pleasing her public. All seemed well from the outset, if you believe the publicity stills put out by the studio. They were a doting mother and daughter. However, according to the memoir that Christina released, which served as the basis for this film, Miss Crawford's penchant for drama didn't end at the MGM lot. This movie is an interesting beast to tackle. It is considered high camp by many, but it is also difficult to dislodge the narrative of abuse and psychological warfare that courses through this over-the-top movie. Join us for a delicate walk of the tightrope as we explore the horrors and hilarity that converge in the 1981 docudrama-turned-camp classic, Mommy Dearest. When she told you to call her that, she wanted you to mean it. Chills. Yeah, I got chills. And if I'm honest, they're multiplying. (laughs) Wow. You know what? You you better you better shape the fuck losing control. You better shape up because I need a man and my heart. Okay, it's on you, Mama. (laughs) You're the one that I want. God. (laughs) Do you remember the first time you saw Bad Sandy? Do you remember the first time seeing Grease? I don't remember the first time. I just feel like I was too young. Like, okay. I feel like it was like a, I've seen it so many times. It was like a staple of my oh childhood. My most people's childhood, I feel like. I remember the first time seeing Olivia New John as, as bad, bad Sandy at the end. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This fucking, <laughs> this fucking cultural reset that's happening right now. What the fuck is going on? Not Olivia New John looking like a whole fucking snack and doing the sa- saucy dance with her hands on her hips. I remember I was gagging as a child. I was like, this movie. Of course, we all were. (laughs) I was like, please find me a pair of fucking liquid leather pants instantly. Baby, I need a rat tail comb. And I need a fucking cigarette because I am spent. I'm back teasing (laughs) this bitch. I'm getting all that in the back, <laughs> just like just like Ben C and he did. Although it's kind of funny because like I'm sure Lizzo was like I'm the HB. I'm Rizzo was not Lizzo. Uh, I'm sure Rizzo well, was, was like, like what? I'm the HBIC. <laughs> there are worse things I could do. I'm the one that got right. prego. Why is everybody mm-hmm. giving us all the attention? Those are my pants. I let the, that bitch borrow them. Y'all were all judging the me. Thing is. Rizzo was about that life. Sandy was not about that life. She was playing dress up in order to get her man. Rizzo which must have been like seething 
watching Endorse. like just watching like Sandy get all the shine for like I'm sure when she was the blueprint and everybody I judged know. her. I mean, to be fair, Rizzo was seething throughout that whole goddamn movie, but she, she had every reason to. She had, she was going fucking through it, man. There are worse things I can do. I love that song. It's so good. I mean, it's that's uh, uh, to me that's my favorite song from Greece. That's like my favorite the song same, from Greece too. It's yeah, a moment. because it's it's a moment. It's the most emotional song. I never identified with Sandy. I was so much more of a Rizzo bitch because I was a bad a bad girl too. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, that girl Jane. Yeah, me and back, me and Riri, um, Rizzo and Rihanna. <laughs> and, you know, I just I felt I was more of a rebellious personality. So Rizzo was really that bitch to me. We love to hear it. And we mm-hmm. we love a rebellious queen on the podcast. But the interesting thing is that somehow we've talked we started talking about Greece and this episode is not about Greece at no, all and in fact no. you you read an entire synopsis of an entirely different movie Did and I? we still found a way to talk about something else which i actually think is like I, i'm i'm impressed by us i'm impressed by our ability to not to not follow through with talking about the movie we chose until we are fucking ready. Well, in, in the words of Gavin DeGraw, you have to follow through. Okay. Mm. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and you all thought we we're going down to Gavin DeGraw. Rabbit hole. Oh. We're not. We're going to leave Chariot. We're not. We're, we're stopping We're going to leave Chariot where it's at for right now. Um, we're professionals. And we're going to dive into this movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I, I want to get started. This movie was released on September 18th, 1981. Um, it had a budget of about $10 million. Although to me, it looks more expensive than that. And it made about $25 million at the box office. So I'm sure with like, I don't know if we'd call that like a hit, uh, but... It quickly it made its money back. It made its money back. And I mean, it, it also developed a cult following like fairly quickly after its release, like during its mm-hmm. first initial cinematic run. They thought it was going to be one thing and it wasn't like <laughs> and the gays, even in the 80s, the gays it started going to the movie theaters and they basically gave it the Rocky Horror treatment. Um, and, well, I mean. It's giving like die, mommy, die for me. Like it's, you know what I mean. It is. <laughs> it's it's over the top and like which we, I love. No, and, and before we get started, I think that like I ended up going down this really big rabbit hole this time mm-hmm. where I was like looking into Christina Crawford and I was just so like curious about so much of this because as I was watching this movie, I kept thinking like what like look. I'm not saying, I'm just saying this movie was insane. And I was watching this movie and, and I was like, way. and I was like, did this happen? And like to my, like some of the scenes were just so wild. I was like, did this did and what so, happen? Like, did the like specific... certain scenes in the movie, like, okay. like I was just all of a sudden curious, like the hacking down, like mm-hmm. when, when Joan Crawford, <laughs> when Joan Crawford <laughs> finds out that she's been, that uh, when Louis B calls her in to let her know that they're going to be, they're going to be, she's going to be going her own way. Okay. Yeah, she's no longer with um, yeah. Metro, Gold- Met- Metro Goldwyn and Meyer. Yeah, Studios. exactly. MGM's like contract we're gonna, is up. We're gonna hit the pause. <laughs> she goes home and she hacks down the the tree in the backyard and she says, "Dana, bring me the axe," um, which is like one of the iconic lines in this movie. I, we will be going through the iconic lines in the in the endlessly endlessly quotable uh, film. Um, but I did actually find an interview with Christina Crawford where she said that didn't happen. Um, so like, I saw that. I saw that too. Yeah, a lot of stuff like, in the movie, 
like didn't actually and, and okay it's 1981 the book was written in 1978 Joan Crawford died in 1977 so this book was released after Joan Crawford died um there's lots of like disputes about what did and didn't happen you know the Kathy and um the two younger sisters of there was Christopher and there were Christina and then there are the younger siblings of um there are the younger siblings of of Christina and Christopher. They of, were twins adopted after Christina and Christopher. And they're yes, twin girls. Yes, sorry, Cindy. Cindy and Kathy Crawford were uh, twins. Mm-hmm. They're about eight, nine years younger than Christopher okay. and Christina. So, I mean, it is, they, they claim that they didn't experience any abuse during their childhood. Uh, there's an incident in the scene where a choking incident happens towards the end, which allegedly happened in 1953 when Christina came home from boarding school. It's another one of those really chilling moments in the film. Billy Green, whose character was dramatized by this character of Carol Ann, who was played by Ritanya Alda, who actually released her own book called Carol Ann Tells All, which is I based, that, I yeah. want to read it so bad. Oh my God. I um, want that because it's not about it's not about the it's not about Joan Crawford itself. It's about the making of. Yes, this it's movie. called the Mommy Dearest Diary. Carol Ann tells all. And it's about the making of the film. And most of it is actually seems to be about Faye Dunaway um, mm-hmm. and her experience working <laughs> with Faye Dunaway, who apparently was doing a little method. Um, yeah, the uh, the blurb that I read did not paint. Faye in the shiniest of lights, shall we say? No, 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 baby. <laughs> so there's a lot going on, but Billy Green, the character who was who this was based on, a was one of the many characters, nannies and maids that like Carol Ann was sort of this amalgamation of in the film. She came out and she said that like she was home that night and like that didn't happen. Like, so it's really complicated and I'm sure often the truth lies somewhere, you know, in between it all. Hollywood gets a hold of things and wants to punch shit up, especially in like Mm -hmm. 1978. I mean, it's like they want to sell books. They want to, there's rumors that there was ghostwriters involved who punched up material in the book to make it juicier so that it would be sold. Like there's lots of things. There's been depositions from Joan Crawford's estate. Um, Christina has been called to make to depositions where she is sort of like uh, alluded to the fact that some of this may have not necessarily been completely steeped in truth. Um, But regardless, it it appears that Christina had a very, you know, tumultuous, intense childhood. Joan Crawford famously had a very tumultuous, intense childhood. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, but I want to be clear that like, we don't know what happened and that's not what this is and nobody Mm -hmm. will ever, you know what I mean? Christina's truth is Christina's truth. Joan, whatever happened in that house, we aren't, we are, we weren't privy to because we're younger than that. Because um, we're such young little babies. New bio, um, but <laughs> taught. But yeah, I, and now they're like it's too much. When you just said you were younger, maybe, but when he got to talk, yeah, it was like now, it's, it's giving the now opposite. It's like you're, you're you're selling a narrative, um, much like Christina, that could be widely disputed. That, exactly. <laughs> but what we will say is that we got we got ourselves a we got ourselves a, a camp classic out of this movie. It is we got over a wild one. The top. And I want to say too, when I found out that this movie was made in 1981 and not 1968, like I thought in my head, like I just thought it was made in the like in the 60s. I did not understand that this was made in 1981. It felt way, way, way too like I guess because it was dealing subject with subject matter that happened, you know, in the late 40s, yeah, 50s, 50s and 60s. Yeah, 60s yeah. That for some reason I didn't think that this was made in 1981. So that. Kind 
kind of blew my mind. It's also like funny because movies, for some reason, I've noticed that like movies that are like historical films that are made that were made in the 80s are such a mind fuck to me. 70s sometimes too, but because it's like a historical time period doing a historical time period, that sort of like multi-layered aspect of it can like be disorienting and can leave you sort of like What's what? Because I was thinking I had a moment while I was watching this film and I kind of thought not necessarily the same thing as you, but I thought about Dynasty because I'm uh, I'm deep in Dynasty right now. And Mm -hmm. it's everything I've ever wanted from a a television show. Uh, (laughs) But I was thinking the other day while I was um, I was thinking while I was watching Dynasty. I the thing about die about God, I was gonna say die mommy die the thing about mommy <laughs> dearest is that there is such a there is such a sort of it's it's in the 1980s but it's at the beginning of the 1980s it's like 1981 so it's obviously got like hints of the 70s in it but mm-hmm. I'm but it's like it's that weird thing of when you watch films from like the 80s or the 70s that are doing a version of storytelling in terms of like the 1920s or the 1930s, but Mm -hmm. even the forties, it's got this sort of like hue of like the time period in which it was created because like those films and that storytelling is sort of like responsible to that time period that it exists within, but also it's telling this historical narrative at the same time. So they end up being overlaid Mm -hmm. on top of each other, which is always a really interesting thing about like when you're looking at like a movie from the um, 1970s or the 1980s, that's like trying to tell us a story of futurism and it's like it, mm-hmm. it's like it's its own subgenre like of like futuristic storytelling divided up gen- like by the ni- like 1980s version of futurism is different than 1990s version of futurism which is different than like totally. the- so it's like a really like fascinating thing and i do agree with you that like this movie it it's caught it's like it's caught sort of like between worlds and it is it's a weird vibe and it doesn't feel like it's been like it's made in the 1980s it doesn't feel like it's something about it it's like yeah there's there's like there's something about it that feels actually more 70s to me which i I mean you know i guess like this is a time period where neither you and i were kicking but like you can sort of sense like the feeling of a time period if you've consumed enough media from it and i think we have no for sure (laughs) and And i I also think that a part of it too is that thing of like which i because i watch a lot of shows from like the 70s and the 80s and the 60s -hmm. because i've gotten into twilight zone recently as well um but, oh, wow. but um, the funny thing about it is that like when you watch stuff from those time periods, sometimes you'll look at the year and it'll be like right on the cusp of a new decade. And mm-hmm. it like and it feels because you, you think about how time works and it's it, we're in this period. So it's not always sort of like readily apparent. But like you look at how time periods work a lot of the times and right at the beginning of a new decade obviously there's so much of the former decade that's left i've experienced totally. that with cheers i've experienced that with murder she wrote as they transition into the 1990s and you're just like mm-hmm. we're still in the 80s and it's like no like this yeah. was this was the beginning of the transition but also like mm-hmm. what was going on in the cutting edges of like fashion and stuff hadn't presented itself in mainstream media just yet like it was just starting to bubble over so it's going to be until 93 where you start to see things that are like that feel like specifically like 92 but like 90 90- 
1991 right. still feel very much. And I feel like it's the same thing with like 80, 81. It's still fit. You look at the mm-hmm. cuts of the pants. You see a lot of men are still wearing and women are still wearing bell bottoms. You can tell right. like some of the clothing, some of the prints and things feel very much like 1970 moment, even as they're transitioning into it. And then it's like, once you get a little bit further into the decade, Mm -hmm. it feels like that sort of DNA starts to come through. But I think it's interesting. It's something that I've thought a lot about because it's like, man, like it takes a minute for like the footing that we all know to be quintessential 1990s to appear in a lot of that stuff. And it's always interesting to me. And for like us to figure out what that means. Like, you know what I mean? Obviously it's not predetermined. So it just like, it happens naturally. For sure. Um, There's never, yeah. there's never a clear, you know, a clear moment in time where the thing that defines a decade pops up. You define you, know? you defined the 1980s for a lot of people, I think. D- wow. That's I'm so complimented by that. Thank you. I mean, especially seeing as I was a baby, it's it, it's nice to know that there's like so much that I was doing, um, you know, as as a, a a pretty young thing, as they say, um, to define a decade. I, I'm honored by that. Truly. 80s baby. Um, <laughs> we are going to slip and slide right into our like it's love it's low. That's for mm. our long term, long time listeners for, for our day ones. Not for our day ones, because we started this re- re- relatively. So I know some of our day ones are like, no, 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 baby, don't pull us into this. <laughs> no, we, um, we've, we've been here since you were stumbling. We've along been the here. <laughs> why, we listen to you stumble along then and we're listening to you stumble along today. Um, our <laughs> like it's love it's low. That's this is how we've sort of broken down the films as we discuss them. It just helps to streamline and. Mm-hmm. As you will see, um, it is a seamless, uh, tested time and time again process. We mm-hmm. brought in focus groups. Mm-hmm. We all we mm-hmm. cracked the code um, on what makes the perfect, <laughs> most fabulous podcast. And now totally. you are going to get to witness that in action and be a part of it because genius and, loves company. And, and we do too. all we have to say is. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. Cheers. I want to start with the like it's and I want to throw a, mm. throw it your way, Jane. Um, do you want to lead Ooh. us off in the with the I, like it's play? Don't I would love to. Oh. I would love to lead it off oh, with the like it. Give us a hot one. My first like it is Carol Ann, the maid um, from the movie. I I like how she was the only person in the movie who physically aged over time. They like gave like Faye as Joan like a couple of wrinkles towards the end. But Carol Ann at that funeral looked like a complete, like a completely old, withered version of herself. And it made me fucking die when it's like when we first saw her and Christina's like hugging her at Joan's funeral. It's like, oh, Carol Ann. And she looks like she has been through hell, which I mean, to be fair, she probably was put through hell. <laughs> but um, I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. No, Ratanya Alda, we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mommy Dearest Diaries, baby. Rutanya mm-hmm. Alda, baby. Um, mm-hmm. Caroline tells all. Um, tells all. Yeah, no, that is really funny. I didn't notice <laughs> that. Although I do think one thing that's really interesting about this film is like Faye Dunaway as like Joan Crawford, her aging is really like, I couldn't put my finger on what was so peculiar about it. Because like, mm-hmm. okay, so Faye Dunaway is I want to say 1937 
but that can't be right. And I can't know Faye Dunaway's birthday off the born? top of my head like that. I'm not that I'm not that gay, am I? When was she born? 1941. Okay. So I was off. <laughs> I'm, I'm basically straight. Um, no, <laughs> Faye Dunaway um was, yeah, Faye Dunaway was 40. So she was like, she was she was barely 40 when she made this film. And it's really interesting because her age is really difficult to like pin down in this movie Mm -hmm. in this way. Mm -hmm. There's a slipperiness to it because at times Faye Dunaway, I mean, and obviously there's an aging that's taking place, but it's like, it is wild. And I, and I was reading about the makeup for this movie, which Mm -hmm. apparently took like, five hours, like, like some days when she did the screen test for it, it was seven hours. Oh, whoa. I, the makeup, I, I saw I'm sorry, the, she, doing her makeup was seven hours, my bad. That, that's what you said. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I said her well, screen I, test, and I said it was seven hours, and I thought they were going to think that I meant they made her do a seven-hour screen oh, test, and I was like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I see, I see, I see. Well, I think... Um, I read a thing that she it took four hours each day on set to do her makeup, which, you know, You're a makeup girly Jane, like that feels yeah. like wild to me. But maybe I'm on maybe I'm like not appreciating how much of a transformation her face is undergoing in this film as a well, person. To be who honest, doesn't. I was really shocked by that as well, okay. because okay. I didn't see and maybe maybe they were so subtly done that I didn't catch it. But there weren't any prosthetics or anything like that. Dave I did mean, ask. Dave did ask me while we were watching the movie. He said, is she wearing any prosthetics? Because he was so taken with how much he felt she looked like Joan Crawford. And maybe she was. I had did not look into it. But if they were done, they were incredibly well done. I will say towards the end, when she's lying in bed and watching Christina mm-hmm. um, accept an award on her behalf, the wrinkle work that they did on her yes. was amazing. Yes. Really, really, really well done. Um, and that was really the only thing that aged her. Um other than that, I mean, I think there were probably subtle things that that were done that I didn't pay enough attention to, at least, you know, as this being my first watch. And maybe when I watch it again, I'll, I'll, I'll notice it. But I was paying more attention to the story. Um, but I do. Th- I, it was shocking to me that the makeup took that long because I was looking at it and it didn't look super complicated to me. But maybe the subtlety of it, um, you know, was was part of it and making it look as much like Joan Crawford as possible. I I don't know. It's one thing I do notice about her as Joan Crawford that I don't quite feel like I notice about Faye Dunaway during this time period out of her Joan Crawford makeup. There's a prominence to like her cheekbones that I notice as Joan Crawford. And that's one of the things that Joan Crawford was famous for. So I don't know if that was just makeup magic or or what, but like there's a prominence there. Obviously the eyebrows, which, which are transformative, like Joan Crawford had Mm -hmm. very, very like specific and distinct eyebrows. That's one of the things that like, I think most people sort of know about Joan Crawford. If you just ask the average person, that's often like a thing that comes up is mm-hmm. the the arch of her eyebrows because it is yes. so specific and signature Joan and like Faye mm-hmm. Dunaway does do a good job and I wonder if like they did do like I know drag queens well, do makeup the, uh, for sure no 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 for sure yeah. I wonder if they okay. did like I know drag queens sometimes will do like uh, like a glue stick to cover up um, their actual eyebrows to paint them over and I, I'm, I'm really curious like about some of this being a person who doesn't know a lot about makeup like in this case 
it would appear, and I don't know again, cause they've not done re- research on it, but it would appear that they used her eyebrows as a base and worked around it. It Got did it. not appear to me that they, um, glued down and covered her eyebrows to start over. Cause I think that gives, I mean, a, unless it's done really, really, really expertly, um, that is more of like a costume look, I think. And I don't think that that was like her eyebrows were very clearly drawn on, mm-hmm. but a, that was specific to Joan Crawford's look anyways. Yeah. And, and B it didn't seem like anything was covered because normally even from like different angles, you can kind of see, even if it's well done that like there's eyebrow hair that's covered. It's possible too, that they shaved her eyebrows and drew them on as well. I wasn't looking closely enough to be able to pull that through though. But yeah, I mean, she definitely had the eyebrows. She definitely, I did read something that said that, um, (laughs) she, did like jaw exercises to make like her jaw like a little bit more prominent. And again, I didn't notice any prosthetics on the cheek. I think it was just makeup, but you you know, uh, not that prosthetics are makeup, but you know, just, um, I mean, honestly, if she was just, if she was really present and, and obviously as Faye Dunaway famously, I mean, is like, you know, then she's probably also doing certain things right when they say action to create Mm -hmm. like that kind of gaunt, uh, image mm-hmm. you know um yeah and so it, yeah it's it's just very fascinating um mm-hmm. my first like it that i actually had uh <laughs> it's a scene where faye Den- where for denaway uh his character where joan is walking on the beach with this movie's full of really great one-liners and we are going to discuss them so they're just good. they're so good but one of the first ones that made me laugh was when joan crawford at <laughs> this time <laughs> i probably like dancing around her 40s um and she's walking on the beach with her lover, Greg, who's a lawyer for the studio. And she says, mm-hmm. you know what's missing in my life? And he says, a hit movie. And <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. That is so shady. <laughs> it was so fucking shady. And I also it was like, like, oh, tell me what you really think, bro. Tell me what you really like- I also want to say this just because I don't want to forget to say it. Like Joan Crawford is like also one of my favorite actresses and like I love her so much and like one of the things that I that like one of the failings of this movie there's there's a there's quite a bit if like you want like Mm -hmm. an actual like telling I actually honestly a lot of what he puts out I don't really love but I do think that there are really good things in like Ryan Ryan Murphy's feud um like Mm. aspects of like who Joan is that seems to be one that Jessica Lange portrays Joan Crawford uh Susan Sarandon portrays Betty Davis that seems to get at the nuances and it doesn't like absolve Joan Crawford of like of like the problems that she had and it doesn't give us some glittering image of either of these women who both had Mm -hmm. daughters who wrote scathing biographies of them by the way and there were actors who did too (laughs) i mean jane fonda uh lays into her her father um henry vonda quite a bit as well oh Um, sorry peter's her brother mm -hmm. isn't it yeah brother. but she you know she talks about her father she talks about the role that he played in her developing eating disorders as a child and like his love of thin women and like how she wanted her father to love her so she tried to be thin for him like so like 
this is like the, these these Hollywood parents were uh, they weren't winning no parent of the year awards. I will say that um, <laughs> they weren't winning Newbery medals. OK, for like for childhood enrichment education. Um, but I would just say that like Joan Crawford, one of the things I love about Joan Crawford so much is like Joan Crawford born Lucille Faylasor, uh birth date unknown, baby. She kept that yeah. tightly, tightly linked, linked up. Even hidden. now. Yeah. Even now. And so but she was one of the only Hollywood stars who was able to navigate like silent film to um, to Talkies. talking films. And she was able to transform herself time and time again. Uh, something that a lot of actors just couldn't do, male or female. Like Joan Crawford mm-hmm. started out as a flapper and then she became a shop girl. And then she became, you know, the the grand dame, you know, diva of screen in films like Mildred Pierce, the the suffering mother, the suffering wife. And then she became a, a camp icon in films like Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and Stray mm-hmm. Jack. So, like, she was able to navigate, like, a very hostile, like, studio system that did not want women of a certain age to to thrive or to be seen. And, like, Joan Mm -hmm. fought. Joan is the only woman in her 40s in the 1940s to win an Academy Award for Best Actress. Like, she she's that girl. So, like, I do want to say that. Um, But, yeah, this movie was a horror show. Um, And (laughs) and also, like, it's like it kind of feels like this movie isn't about, like. Joan Crawford it's, like she's like not. she's like a jumping off point you know what I mean this story that is like so sensationalized and so ridiculous it's not to discount Christina's experience because I mean you know again like if I'm sure her childhood was a fucking nightmare oh, yeah. in many ways the things that were depicted in this movie which you know it sounds like Christina herself has even said haven't happened are are the you know just ridiculous and that's the fun part of this movie because i think like we can't take this who joan faye dunaway as joan crawford in this movie as the person joan crawford because it also doesn't give weight to any of the incredible things she does in her in her life and as as we know people and human beings are contain multitudes and you can do horrible things and you can do wonderful things and you know whatever judgment that that one wants to make on a person who contains both of those things. That's your journey. It's not necessarily mine or anybody else's, but again, this isn't Joan Crawford. This is somebody else's idea of Joan Crawford. Oh, for sure. And it's at the helm of, you know, this director. It's, I mean, it's also worth noting that like Faye Dunaway, like does not discuss this film. Like, yeah, like <laughs> she refuses. Faye, Faye fully thought this was, I, I believe in the bottom of my heart that Faye, I mean, what actor doesn't, especially an actor who in le- like less than five years ago, won an Academy Award for it. Like you right. take on a role like this thinking, oh my God, this is, this is the ticket back you know, to, to the ceremony. I'm, I'm nabbing another one. And she, she did get a Razzie. She did get a Razzie. Wards were, were nabbed. Um, but this performance, which by the way, also Anne Bancroft turned down, um, turned down this movie. She agreed. She signed on to do it. And then she read the script and she was like, nah, I'm good. Um, and so like this movie, uh, yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a stay classy. Yeah. She's like, "Mm, I'm going to, I'm an Academy Award winning actress, so I'm good. They're like, oh, Faye's thinking about it. Oh, okay. She's a different, she's yeah. she's a different person.
person. Um, let's leave it to Faye. Let's leave it let's to her. Leave it to um, <laughs> any more scripts uh, come your way? I'd love to peruse those too. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Faye probably saw that wire hanger scene and she was like, no, no, I'm sorry. Anne probably saw that wire hanger scene and she was like, nah, y'all not going to get me. Um, <laughs> but um, did you have any more like it's Janie? Of course. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I like how in the beginning we have young Christina. um, She's a baby. And then, you know, we cut to a few scenes later and she's like, oh, God, I don't know, nine years old, maybe. I don't know. I'm so bad at like guessing child children's ages. Baby, they move through time. They move for time. So this is this is a this is a commentary on that. But Christopher is brought into the family, the younger brother, and he shoots up in age so quickly. And Christina says the exact same age. It's so funny because it's the same actor from when they bring home baby Christopher to when he's like seven or eight. And she's literally the same age. And I was like, nobody thought to be like, and this is like the main childhood actor that we use for Christina. So she's around for a long time, gives, you know, a a stunning performance for a kid her age. My God. And (laughs) she's giving all the camp that we all need from like you know her from a kid who's so young but it's just so funny to me that Christopher <laughs> shoots up and almost becomes the exact same age as her and we're still sticking with the same <laughs> Tina you know what Jen that is so true and I don't I don't think that I like even thought about it but that is such a good point they said we are playing with time and it's our this is our movie <laughs> oh my god it is so funny they were just like look she's doing a good job we're gonna are we gonna bring in yeah. another kid are we gonna have to, to bring in another kid and hope that things work out are we right. gonna stick with baby girl because she's bringing it <laughs> and she did she did her thing oh my god it's also like it so my next uh my next like it was actually it was about Carol Ann. There's this there's this mm-hmm. scene in the movie where Carol Ann is like it's like Joan's struggling to hold on to her career and she's just <laughs> jogging and Carol Ann is quite literally like gassing her up from the car. Like she's like riding in the car beside her, just like just like bigging her up. And she's just like she's like that body's looking tight, mama. Like you look mm-hmm. good. Good, and she's like, she's like the things that you go through for that studio. And Joe's just like, she's just angry, and she's like, if Louie knew, if Louie be mad, knew what I did, to look like this, this body. Um, it's so funny because it's like truly Carol Ann was the backbone of that household. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, Carol Ann is like Carol Ann is is the one who's like really like. <laughs> Corralling. Honestly, Carol yeah. Ann is kind of giving. If like, I wonder if Charles Bush was using Carol Ann as a bassist a little bit for the character of Barbara. Like in those scenes, the flashback scenes were like in, in Die, in Mommy, Die, Die, Mommy, Die. Sorry, Die. another movie mm-hmm. we recently uh, reviewed for our Pride Month celebration. Live out loud. Um, mm-hmm. There's scenes where Carol Ann. Um, I'm sorry, where Barbara is like the the long suffering sister who's working as the maid for Angela before she. Um, you know, before Angela dies. And there's like these flashback black and white scenes of like Angela, yes. who's like over the top, like being like, you know, awful to her children. And then there are these scenes where like, like there's a scene where like 
Angela comes in the room drunk and she kills the um, the pet gerbil or the hamster in front of her kids for no reason. <laughs> and then like Angela runs in the room and Barbara runs in the room and like and like takes the kids in her arms and puts them to her bosom and just comforts them. It's like that's the vibes that like Carol Ann yes. kind of gives in the movie, which is so funny. One hundred percent. I mean, she needs to get her flowers. And she will. So well, funny. I mean, I think the gays give it to her, and we'll we'll continue to do so. No, I mean, we, yeah, no. It just it was so funny to me. I was like, oh my god, these scenes are so good. Um, and it's just Carol Ann blindly, just like you know, supporting our girl. Hmm. I love it. Um, my next like hit point is like okay, it's these two very specific shots of. Joan or Faye in this movie like that just are so funny to me had me fucking rolling on the floor laughing there's a shot right before she's about to um, take a shower with her lover Greg and you just see it's just Joan standing in the shower before the water hits her and she like (laughs) she is staring at Greg and you can just see her he's off camera and she just like floats back into the water and lets it run over her and it is I mean she is drinking in every single fucking moment and it's so fucking funny and then the second scene is right when she brings or they bring Christina to Joan Crawford's house and they meet for the first time and she's just her little bundle of joy and she's so like emotional and it is a nurse and presumably a doctor we don't even know who the other guy is and Greg her lover the lawyer who like set up this adoption and she walks up the first set of stairs to the landing and they're all standing at the bottom of the stairs and Joan turns around on the landing and looks down at them and they're all looking up at her like she's the fucking statue of Mary and they just stare at each other for like a good like five seconds and I'm like what is this shot what are we drinking in I couldn't love this more it is so absurd people don't act like this there were like there were so many shots where like in this movie where it would be like a really long hold and for half a second i would think that like it had paused because because the holds are so long that they're inhuman and you're just like wait what is that person literally just gazing at this other person because people don't do this People don't. And what are we trying to say with this shot? Like, what's the point of it? <laughs> like you, like you, like you, you're gonna need time to take in the beauty. Like, right? Just that's like, really just so what you, it is. Just, just so you know, we're dealing with an icon, and it's like okay. <laughs> Which is quite literally like, I mean, that is that is. It's gay history is what it is. Um, It's absolute gay history. It is literally (laughs) like it is. So Joan was just basically serving, serving the face category at a ball. Um, She was just like, drink it the fuck in. (laughs) You are so lucky to be living at the time that I am. This mm-hmm. took hours to do. <laughs> and like, and I guess back then it was like, you could like, I guess to see a, like Joan Crawford was like, she was like so beautiful. And I guess yeah. like, I forget like in like, you know, like you didn't have access. It's not like you could just open up a magazine and see a person that gorgeous. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. magazines did exist, but maybe it was that thing of just like being in the presence of somebody that glamorous, like in real life was maybe just one of those things that was like, 
holy shit. Like when you, you know yeah. what I mean? If you saw like on Marilyn Monroe, it was like, whoa, you know, different than like hopping on IG. But there is something that's so unhinged about like a group of people just like letting you it's like because it's the kind of moment that people want in life but so few people get you like think 100%. about like you spend hours getting dressed and you're like i'm gonna go to this party i got this cute <laughs> outfit on people are gonna love it and you get there and nobody looks at you twice and you're like <laughs> and you like catch your reflection on like a building on the way to like the party and you're like why did this look so much fucking better at home what am i doing why here? did this look so <laughs> much better at home <laughs> what happened between now getting on the train and getting off the train? Like, honestly, I mean, I that's in? part of it. But the other part of it is just like, is like with me, it's always like winter's the worst for me because it's like, oh God, I'm at home, course. I'm getting dressed. I'm in a rush. Although summer's bad mm-hmm. for me too. I'm just a sweater. So it's like winter's <laughs> bad because I'm like, Oh, let me get dressed. Let me get all clean. And then I throw in all yeah. those clothes and you're hustling to make it to the train to the bus and you sit down and you can feel yourself cooking from the inside out. And then mm-hmm. summer's bad because it's like, you take a shower, you go outside, it's swelteringly hot. And you're like, what was the point? Like yeah. maybe Jake Gyllenhaal's onto something. Maybe I should go <laughs> hang out with uh with Kristen with Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard. Uh, you remember those articles about how they I weren't have bathing no every idea. day? Who? Jake Gyllenhaal, Kristen Bell, Dak Shepard. Oh yeah, yeah. They don't like shower. It's like, like what? Why? Why? My comedy. I don't know. I feel like my comedy is just like it's being lost. <laughs> Oh, you're you mean your comedy today in this moment? Yeah, I do. Oh, no, no, no. I just didn't know exactly what you were talking about until you explained it. But I didn't understand why that how that related to you getting ready for a party. Like, I didn't understand why you that that signaled to you. Maybe you should just be like filthy and stop showering. Oh, whatever. I my next my next like it point. This, he moved on so quick. He was like, "We're fucking done here." There was this really funny scene that was. Um, it's a scene where Jones really pissed because Jones just run into. I believe it was Louis B. Mayer at a restaurant, her restaurant, mm-hmm. Saffitz, mm-hmm. um, and she's really pissed at Greg because mm. she feels like Greg carted her off to this table. Um, to see Louis B. Mayer at the, um, mm-hmm. do you remember the scene? Yeah, with some investors, with like he's some bankers. With yeah. some investors. And okay, so it's funny, first of all, because her and Greg are having this um, conversation and and he says to her, um, <laughs> he says to her, she says, she's angry at him and she's yelling at him. And he says to, and he says to her, how many drinks is that? When you were a kid, it made you look sexy. Now it just makes you look drunk. And she throws <laughs> her drink in his face. And then she like yes. walks over and lights a cigarette so fucking casually. But also, and I was just thinking, I've never thrown a drink in somebody's face in my life. Me neither. I, will, I want to. I was going to say, I will say that like recently, I don't remember where I was, but I was. it was a person who was like definitely not like a really good friend or I would have just told them. But I was sitting there and I was thinking like, it was like a casual acquaintance. And I remember thinking, what mm-hmm. if I threw this drink in their face? Like, I would never do it. But I just thought like, but not. I thought in but my head like, like, what a temperature change that would be. Like, there's no going back. It is like, that is the land from which you don't return. There's no like yeah. hanging out after that. <laughs> no. That, 
ends of friendship. I was just like, because oh my it's God. actually a really fucked up unhinged thing to do instead Absolutely. of using your words. <laughs> Throwing a drink in somebody's face? But I will say I would love to have that experience just once because that is the biggest period on the end of a sentence. Like, what can you do after that? You've made a fucking fool of that person. That person is literally covered in a drink. They can't say anything. They were caught off guard and you can just walk away with the final word. Yeah, I feel like I'm like, I feel like on a show like a bad girls club, like they're ready and they just throw a drink in your face. But I feel like in real life in civilized society, there's probably this shock that like, (laughs) <laughs> that just like completely pours over you and like completely destabilizes you where it's just mm-hmm. like, what do I do? And when you look up and you see that Joan Crawford's already moved over to her fucking fainting couch and she's lighting a goddamn cigarette as you are wiping the vermouth out of your fucking eyes. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, she's on to the next. She's she's, she's- reading a fucking book. <laughs> like she's a she's fuck. Bu- she's slathering on her night cream. She said. <laughs> like, I, she she's said. Done. I said what I needed to say to you. You're drink. <laughs> you're drinking what I need to say to you, bitch. Mm. And get up before you, you ruin think, my my chair. Do you think you and I should do like a scenario where it's like we get to do that to each other? Like we set up a scenario where we're able to do that to each other just once in life. Yes. Or is that t- okay? good okay now we have to set some parameters around it yeah b b it can never ever ever be in public oh just like me and you just like yeah like on your back porch yes and b the second thing is that i my face i i have to have a bare face it cannot be when my face is beat okay and C, it has to be a clear drink that won't stain any of my clothes. Ugh, all these parameters. There's a neighborhood. <laughs> I no, I think I think that I also like that it won't stain any of my clothes. Like you walk around in fucking couture. Um I I agree to this. I, I say my literal old navy tank top. Like it can't, it can't stain any of my precious my precious items that I've inherited. Not this not this Valentino I'm wearing. Not the Gucci. Let me take off this Carolina Herrera and then we'll talk. Um no, I'm down for it. Jane, I actually think maybe could we each do a take of this scene and then post it on Instagram the week that we Yeah, I think Oh my God. You, I think, I think, I think this is what we're coming. I think this is what we're, yeah, this is absolutely what we need yeah, to do. Next time we see each we other. To, and that way we'll be able to do, you know what I mean? We'll be able to get it out of our system, throw drinks in each other's faces and reenact an incredible iconic scene. I Loki, I kind of think, I, I think you should have the moment. <gasps> oh my God. I just got goosebumps all over me. Are you serious? I think so. Cause I, I think you can fully, cause then you can look, you can look very like beautiful. You can do your makeup and your hair. And then I will just deliver that line. And then you can just throw the drink in my face and then you'll get the full, you'll get the full moment. And, uh, I can, I'll let you have that. I, the generosity that you are exhibiting right now is frankly un I, I, I don't know how to handle it. It is so incredible. Um, Jane, it is, are, it's our birthday month. and <laughs> It is. And uh, I, will, I, will, I will do this for you in honor. This is such a gift. This so, is such a gift. Oh, my God. 
So yeah, so we will do we'll do like this. It's, it'll be it'll be quick enough. We can like do we can just have somebody holding an iPhone and they can just go from me to you and then back to mm -hmm. me in time for the throw. And we can do it all in mm -hmm. one take, I think. Yeah. OK, yeah. good. So it's done. But the <sighs> thing that I want to mention about this scene really quickly before we move on is that the funniest mm -hmm. part of this scene was that to me, it looked, although I have to imagine it's a nightmare trying to do a scene like this for continuity sake, but every mm -hmm. time they went to Greg after the drink was on his face, he was wetter than he was the moment before. And I was like, <laughs> I how is he getting wetter? <laughs> like the third, the third cut to him, it was like water was pouring from the top of his head. And I was like, it's over. She's across <laughs> the room now. Why is he like, he's drenched now. And before it was like <laughs> a splash. It wasn't even that. No. Cool. Well, Joan was drinking it, so we know most of it went down the gullet. Um, but yeah, it, it was a really funny scene, and it was really unintentionally. And I was like, the continuity person probably just like they probably threw their note cards in the air a couple couple weeks earlier with this film, um, and they were probably like, just get the goddamn shot. Like, but it was a very very funny scene. Um, did you have another? Um, <laughs> I have a final like it point, okay. which. Um, this is almost a love it point, which is why I put at the end of my like it's because as we know, our producer Dave loves things to be very muddy when we go from our like it's to our love it. Yeah, to our he little does. Bit. Um, muddy boy. So to keep it muddy, but this is officially a like it. But keep it muddy, girl. Um, keep it muddy. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so anyways, um, we mentioned this earlier. There's a, in, in, absurd scene where um, Joan Crawford strangles Christina when she comes back. <laughs> I'm not laughing at a mother strangling her daughter. That's fucking horrible. But in this movie, it is maybe one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. And the the thing that I like about it is when she first does the initial jump onto Christina, baby, that's a doll. And I can fucking see it. <laughs> that is not a human person. She's jumping on a doll, baby. <laughs> that is so funny. Rewind it. Watch it back. It is a doll. Okay, I did not clock that, but I'm absolutely going back to watch it. <laughs> oh, it's great. So this is, I love it when so, you catch those things. It's so okay. So a brief di just dynasty, just to bring this into conversation. So of course we can we can always bring it back to dynasty. Little, little it's dynasty actually moment. Um, mm -hmm. How dare you? There's a scene where Joan Collins <laughs> is she returns. She's the first wife of Blake Carrington. She's living on the property because he deeded her this like this this like guest home that he deeded her to create paintings when she was a kid. It was like a push present for giving birth okay. to their son. And so okay. she returns from having been sort of like exiled in Mexico and she's like living on the property and mm -hmm. she, and, and his now new wife, Crystal Carrington, she doesn't want her on the property. Uh, Joan finds out that Crystal is pregnant and, you know, she sees this as a threat to her because Crystal's pregnant with Blake's baby. And and Blake is her ex-husband. It's her ex-husband, but she wants back in okay. with Blake. So there's okay. a scene where she's out just shooting plates, whatever the fuck they shoot, you know, like rich people shit, where they shoot the, right. the discs in the air. Discs. Yes. Yeah. And but she sees Crystal like. Chris, she's stopped to reload. Crystal rides by on a horse. Crystal's like in her first trimester of pregnancy. And then Alexis gets this idea that like, I can make her fall off that horse and potentially lose the baby. So with, <laughs> oh 
my fucking god. Yeah, it's okay. wild. So Alexis <laughs> loads the gun and hiding behind like a tree, she shoots the gun in order to like scare the horse. And Crystal <laughs> flies off the horse, but her foot gets caught in like the saddle. And then it's just this long wide shot of Crystal. It, but at one point, it just looks like a dummy that's attached to a horse that's just being like drug through. It is giving, it is limp, baby. Limp. And it is so funny. And I was like, that oh is a God. whole ass, like, that is a mannequin, baby. Somebody call Kim Cattrall. Like, because her job is being stolen. And I, I love it. I, I, I it yes. was one of the best scenes. And then you just see like Alexis looking on, like with this like devilish smirk on her face. It's like you could have just induced like the death of of like her feet like her feet is what like this is too much this isn't like this isn't like tit for tat like you you just that's a crime girl and she's just like "Hmm." 100% a crime and she's loving it she's fucking loving it and also like the idea of trying to make someone lose their baby I think is a crime I'm pretty sure that's a crime yeah tells me Um, it's a crazy scene and I was like what is going and I turned to Dave I was like this is season two like (laughs) how could it get more ridiculous also like how do you ever form like I'm just I'm so curious because one of my favorite things about watching shows from like the 80s and like the 70s is that nobody was thinking about fucking streaming nobody's thinking about people binging these shows or really watching them again so it's like continuity goes out the fucking window so it's like this is a plot point that could never come up for the remaining like 10 years of shows on the air or it could pop up at some random time. But th- those shows, they didn't care. Like, the people, the, the showrunners were like, whatever. Like, I don't give a fuck what happened last season. We know this actor was just involved. Get him get him dressed up. Throw a flannel on him. They're just like, I love it. I'm like, that person was here. And then we're, we have to remind ourselves, yeah, that's because we've been tearing through it. This wasn't, this show wasn't yeah. built for that. No, this was a weekly moment, and we we've bastardized how um, we watch television. Maybe it's so true, <laughs> and so that was amazing. And I love that you caught the the doll. This also is another yes. really famous scene, and, a, and features a lot of famous dialogue because this is when Christina's brought home from the girls, not the girls' school, but like the boarding school that she's been staying at. She was caught necking in a barn with a boy, yeah. and then Joan comes and removes her from the school and brings her home and and first of all there's several really amazing parts there's first of all when they're driving away from the school Joan's hot because she's picked up her daughter yes. although not too hot to grab that flask because Joan is behind the wheel of the car <laughs> and she is she's got her, her silver her trusty silver flask and she's taking it to the head and Christina says you know if you pull off over there there's a liquor store and she turns to Christina and she says I should have known you'd know where to find the boys and the booze <laughs> It's and so she like good. tosses her empty flask at Christina. It's so fucking funny. And then they get to the house and there's a reporter at the house named Barbara. Mm-hmm. And Barbara is seated at a table and Christina and Joan basically says that Christina was expelled from school, which she wasn't. The school basically was like, we want to keep her here. We're going to punish her. And Joan was like, no, I don't trust you to punish her properly. If you're letting all this happen under your, on your watch, I'm bringing her home. Mm-hmm. And they're at the house and she says that she was expelled. Well, Joan also says in the car before they walk into the house, like, there's a reporter here. You better be on your best behavior because, you know, I, this is for Red Book. I got to look good in Red Book or whatever. And Christina says, turn down for fucking what? 
And yeah. they get inside and Joan says, my daughter Christina was expelled from school. And Christina says, that's a lie. And I, and it's like the beginning of the tension. So then, so then Joan's like, let's go into the other room and talk. And they start going at it, baby. And this time Christina's so not good. budging. Joan slaps her across Mm-mm. the face, but she, it's like this, it's like those Marvel m- movies where you slap like a character that like you don't realize is like indestructible. And so when she slaps yeah. her, her head just turns and then she just turns back and stares at her mother and she slaps her twice. And then Joan yes. says to her, why can't you give me the respect I deserve? The respect I would get from any stranger on the street. And then Christina <laughs> looks at her and she says, because I'm not one of your fans, mother. <laughs> and Joan, like, she does this thing with her hands that no human's ever done in real life. No. Where she's, like, quaking with, I thought she was doing the Harlem Shake because she was moving so <laughs> frantically. It was, um, like, early si- uh, signs of early onset Parkinson's. Exactly. Like, it was very It was confusing. very intense. And then, and I actually thought, I don't know why Christina didn't dodge or, like, like covered the jugular when she saw her she's priming to grab that that throat for yeah. a like a solid man and she's she's trying to hold herself back but she cannot and right before she chokes her they're screaming at each other and this so much so that this reporter comes in the room and is like hey i'm still here and and and, and, and then this is the other line that is often quoted which is when she just goes barbara please please <laughs> And it's just like, bitch, get out of here. Go like, before you get these time, hands. This, this is time for you to fucking go. But what Barbara does is she gets that pen out and starts writing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> she said, yes. What she says to Barbara is, Barbara, please, please, Barbara, leave us alone. Barbara, if you need anything, <laughs> ask Carol Ann. And then again, the backbone, the of, backbone this of this family. And then Joan Crawford <laughs> says, this is one. <laughs> This is wonderful. You, you deliberately embarrassed me in front of a reporter. <laughs> it's so good. And then, and then she, she doesn't just strangle her. No. She fucking lunges at they her and table. jumps on they top of her. Like they break like the glass of a table. Like a, and again. She lunges and jumps on a doll who is supposed to be Christina. And also, though, but at, but then at a certain point, obviously, Diana Scarwood, who is now playing like teenage to adult Christina um, for the remainder yeah. of the film, Bar- like Joan Crawford is standing, is, is straddling her, choking her. And apparently, according to according to Mommy Dearest Diaries, Carol Ann tells all, allegedly, <laughs> Rutanya Alda, who plays Carol Ann, because in the scene, that's how the scene ends, is with um, her coming in with the reporter and then pulling Joan off of... Mm. Um, off of Christina, which is one of the things that like Christina was asked about in like the uh, sworn court deposition, and apparently like mum was a word. Billy Green apparently was the ma- the maid who was there this night, and she said it didn't happen. But regardless of any of that, the scene is wild, and they pull her off. And Rutanya says in in the book that Faye Dunaway was really going in, and she says that like it was too yeah. much, and she says that like she had to pull her off of Diana, the actress, and so she was going deep method. And I saw. I saw that the report, the the actor who played the reporter was supposed to pull her off, but she refused because Faye Dunaway was being, um, quote, 
too fucking violent. (laughs) So they brought in Carol Ann, who again is not only the backbone of the family, but the fucking movie set and was like, I guess I'll step in. Tanya said, I've thrown hands, we've already thrown hands multiple times during this set. I have no problem wrangling that bitch. (laughs) All you need to say is action. And I got her. Because I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to correct. I'm going to do what everybody else seems to be scared to. Because Barbara said, I'm a day player. I'm not going to I'm not going to lose an eye fucking around with uh, Fade deep, deep in her mommy dearest drag. And then I end up walking away with a limp. I'm good. And, and Carolyn says, I'm going for consideration for best supporting. Rutanya, so, you know, I'm here. Rutanya Rutanya said, whatever. I yeah. came ready to play. OK, I got my knee pads on under this long ass skirt. And mm-hmm. if I get an elbow, I give an elbow. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and I will only say this to the Academy. Consider. Consider. <laughs> Consider. <laughs> Melissa Leo. When Tanya Alda walks so Melissa Leo could run, baby. She put, she got that spread. Oh, for those of you who don't know, just just Google Melissa Leo Consider and look at the Google image And you will searches. never reconsider because I look at it and sometimes you- and I'm just bored. It is iconic. And you will say it has been considered. <laughs> considered and loved. We we, we accept. Um, so that was um, that was really my last like it. Do you want to move into the Lovitz? Yeah. Yeah, let's go to the Lovitz. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, did you have a first Lovit? <gasps> yeah, I could go. My very first Lovit is just the again, this is the the overall arching theme of this whole conversation, but just the over-the-top nature of everything. The way that Faye Dunaway delivers every line, it's an absolute appetizer, entree, and dessert. Like, she does not let anything go. Um, You know, everything is just as campy as it could possibly be. And I could, I, like, understand. I, I don't think I knew too much about I didn't know too much about this movie before seeing it I knew that a lot of gay men love it and now I am fully informed as to why because the campiness will not quit it's so over the top there's so many times Mm -hmm. in this movie where like things are punched to such a degree that like they leave the realm of reality (laughs) and like yes absolutely that's the whole movie nothing is real this kind of leads me to my first love it which by the way so Okay, so Frank Perry directed this film, and Faye Dunaway fam- mm-hmm. like has famously said that she thinks that Frank Perry, who at the time I think was like an up and coming director, was too green, and she says that he didn't rein in her the performance of the actors, namely her, I'm sure, um, the way that like a seasoned director would have done. Although it is worth noting that Faye Dunaway has had many spats with directors and co stars and all of that. Although I stand by also sexism and the fact that like I'm sure she was no more she was no more demanding than any of her male counterparts um, I'm sure none of them were dreams to work with either but they're not their <laughs> reputations aren't defined by it in the ways that women's are you know everybody just 100%. says oh my god he's very passionate leave him alone yeah. he's, in, he's in process you know that's a great right. actor right there but women famously are just sort of like you know labeled Maligned. as difficult although I will say that Betty Davis apparently has said that they said after working on a television movie with Faye Dunaway that like she would never work with her again and that she, that was one of her worst experiences <laughs> which is something coming from Betty D um, but yeah so like Faye Dunaway has a bit of a reputation, but Mm. I will say that like the thing about this performance that is so incredible is like almost an overcommitment, like to Mm -hmm. the dialogue, to the text, the way she punches up words, she punches up swords in so many scenes to such a degree Mm -hmm. that like 
it is just like they leave they leave the realm of like reality and like you know like in like in that scene with um the scene I mentioned earlier where she throws a drink in Greg's face and she says to him like holding me off to man's table like some picked up bluesy and it's like <laughs> we could have done another take maybe but we wouldn't yeah. have what but we wouldn't have what we have you know what I mean but right. the way she punches those that's words thing. it's just I'm sure I'm sure that Faye probably at the time wished that things had gone differently the director had pulled her back whatever but I have zero fucking notes. It is. It it honestly, (laughs) it is, it is, it is a masterclass in just overall commitment and reckless abandon for the sake of a role. Um, Daniel Lewis could never. Um, No. It is, and would never. Uh, But there is, I wanted wanted to, my first love, it was Frank Perry as a director, who, Frank Mm -hmm. Perry is the and Dave and I laughed about this for so long yesterday. Frank Perry is the uncle of Katy Perry, but what? <laughs> like, baby, I'm a firework, Katy Perry. The, the Katy Perry, American <laughs> Idol judge, judging singers with different Fa- vocal abilities than famously her. Famously, has not warmed up, Katy Perry. Katy Foghorn. <laughs> Perry. This is her um this is her Katy Perry. Katy Perry who I realized I couldn't figure out why I didn't like Katy Perry's voice and Jane explained to me it was something about Katy Perry's voice is sometimes grating to me. And By the way, we wish Katy Perry all the luck in the oh, world. Oh, of girl. course, baby, you're a firework. It's 4th of July. But I but I did the thing about her voice that I can't I couldn't figure out what it was about it and Jane hit the nail on the head and she said it's because Katy Perry is literally yelling on pitch and that's what it is it is displeasing to my ears it's like it's piercing and I'm like what is it and and this is also again not just not to shade Katy Perry because bless her she's doing what she loves and that's amazing and so many people love her voice. I think it's like you know it's just a, a, a like not everybody's voice hits with everybody. And for me that's my experience. And I know that a lot of people really enjoy li- like hearing her sing. And I I want that for them. I want that for everybody. I want all different kinds of singers to be available for us to consume you know for all of our different tastes but I will tell you that shit is how I experience <laughs> it really is well. Jane Jane gave that preamble like we were like we were worried about the beehive coming for us I, no because I, like no I because I, I and I truly believe it I know I know you're just joking but I do want to say like I do not want to disparage anybody in that way like to me it really is like because there's so many singers and so many people that I listen to that don't have what would be considered like an an excellent fucking voice or whatever it is and I love them so much and so I don't want to take that away from anybody honestly it's not even like it's it's an interesting thing because it's not vocal ability it's literally just tone it's something about the tone and the quality that is like piercing in my ear and like I'm like what is that like what is it about it just doesn't hit with us but I want other people oh of course go on that ride hop on that dark horse totally Um, you know you know absolutely live your teenage dream be the yeah I was gonna say be the teenage dream or you know Geritol dream that's where we're all headed Geritol nightmare (laughs) but live it Uh, but anyway the thing that was the funniest though is it said 
And Dave and I were just sitting on this for so long. It said Frank Perry is the half uncle to Katy Perry. And Dave and I were both like, what the fuck is a half uncle? What is a half uncle? I have never heard the term half uncle before, but it instantly became my favorite term in the world. (laughs) Oh, that's my half uncle over there. And it's like, what's the other half? Like stranger? Like what's going on? And we both were just laughing about it for so long because if anybody ever described a family member as their half uncle to me, I would be like, what? So your uncle? I no, don't half. I don't even understand what that what means. What it is is it is it is the half sibling of one of your parents. So if you have like a half brother oh. or a half sister or a half sibling, um <laughs> that is so fucked it's up. It's so unnecessary. <laughs> it's like Because I say this all the time. I have a half sibling who I've absolutely never called my half sibling. It's just my sibling. And I think it's so weird when people are like, this is my half brother or my if half sister or that, apparently my half uncle. If somebody like, does that, weird. It, I, I instantly just, that's how I know whatever the status of your relationship is with that sibling. If somebody says to me, true. if somebody says to me, oh, that's my half sister, Gretchen. I'm like, okay, I know where you two stand. <laughs> Noted. Like, because it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, and it means it means tensions were high growing up or something. I don't know. Also, it's weird because it's like, okay, so this is the half sibling of your parents. So you're denoting the fact that like this person is like not fully related to you by blood. But it's like, then what does that mean for like your your uncle who's your uncle by marriage? Does he get to be your full uncle? Because if this right, is a matter exactly. of like familial connection, then that person is less related to you by like virtue of genetics. So it's like it just doesn't make sense. It's a wild term. And I love it. It's a wa- it's so <laughs> wild. And I also think <sighs> genetics have nothing to do with how you're related no. to someone. You know what I mean? Like that. It's just so it's so funny. Also, because also we're watching a movie about, a, a you know, a woman who adopted a daughter. Does that make her any less her daughter? Of course not. It's uh, wild. No. And it's also funny because black people, it, we, we just pick eight. We use ages to determine who you are. So like my cousin's kids, mm-hmm. I often refer to as like my nieces and nephews just because yeah. it's it's like that that's how it all falls. And I have I grew up with relatives who are my cousins who I called uncle and aunt because they're the right. age of like my mom or my one of my grandparents. So it's like, yeah, it just yeah, it's just the terms don't mean anything. But it's really funny. Like no. when like in other cultures <laughs> may do that as well. I just know that like that's something that I have met other black people we've discussed before. It's like that's t- totally, yeah. totally your cousin. But it denotes mm-hmm. a level of respect. And it's like, I'm not going to engage with totally. you as I would with like a, a cousin that is closer to my age. Like you're 30 right. years older than me. So that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. But also it's just like funny to me because it's like, I can't imagine being at like a party and somebody being like, oh, I want to introduce you to my half uncle, Greg. It's like, what? <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I'd be like, why are you like, why, why are you making that distinction to I me love right it. now? I like, love half you uncle. Want, you want to create distance. I want, I now, I just, now I want an opportunity to like have a conversation with someone and just to throw the term out and be like, yeah, my half uncle, Sydney, he he, um, he was in the war, and so that's that's a part of his identity. Uh, I need a better sentence to follow up. I, really, I don't know where I was going yeah, with that. Yeah, you need a little but, more. I um, thought you were gonna go. I thought you were gonna go Poitier. Oh, I didn't even think of. Oh, my half uncle, yeah. Sydney Poitier. Yes, Poitier. Poitier. Yeah, I'm related to Sydney Poitier. Um, yeah, but that half uncle. <laughs> half half uncle. uncle. I'll admit that part. Half. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's both there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I want to introduce you to my quarter cousin over here. Um, <laughs> quarter, quarter. 
I just need one <laughs> of the four of you. Just one of the four. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I did there with the quarter and the one of the four? I, I did. Yeah, that's okay. good. And I explained it and I ruined it. Damn it, Brandon. Yeah. Another conversation mistake. <laughs> um, so my next love at point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we go yes, too no, much no, off I love the it. fucking rails. I just love um, being here with you. You're my friend. And I mean, me you've too. Become, friendships become family. And so. This is our time. This is this our, is time. our time. Every, every week, baby. Um. Okay, so my next level point is I love how they go over the fact that, like, Homegirl did not qualify for adoption for some very (laughs) fucked up reasons. It was like, you're a single mother and you've been divorced twice. Like, that shouldn't matter. Can you create a loving home? That should be the conversation. And the answer is uh, no. So I do think that they made a right call in saying that Joan (laughs) is probably not eligible for adoption because but the reason the reasoning was wrong but i love how she just was like okay well i'm just gonna get a baby and we don't know the details of how this babe these children arrived with joan it sort of seems like there was like a black market purchasing of children which is like implied but never explained and that is entirely fucked up so just you know it didn't go unnoticed by me (laughs) well there was a woman in hollywood okay i want someone to make a biopic of her we should make it maybe this will get us the oscar um Uh, we hope um, we've been trying to find a way we're trying to find a way baby her name Mm -hmm. um her name was georgia tan and oh i've heard about her she was like selling children yeah 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 and like like a yeah. Yes, and Joan Crawford was rumored to have been one of the people who adopted children through her. But there were like, but there were many. She was like stealing children yeah. and selling. It was them. Like, like children were being stolen from like lower income people with lower incomes and things like that. But like Joan Crawford, I think uh, Mary Pickford was another actor. Um, Herbert Lehman, like there were other. It was a lot of Hollywood actors that were said to have gotten children um, that were uh, that allegedly Georgia Tan abducted and then sold them to this Hollywood elite. Um, okay, yeah, we got to write that biopic. So that that's I, good. You know, I'm glad I think we, we should start it. This who I don't. I, well, hold on. Let me Google Georgia Tan. Let me see what she looks like. Okay, who? I think I have her up. Okay, giving our listeners a minute to Google her too. Pull her up. Pull her up, listeners. Okay, go. I think mm-hmm. that this is the Oscar win for Melissa McCarthy. <gasps> oh, I love that. I think that this is the wow. I do. I okay. think that this is the this is when we strap in and we we get our we girl the gold. And I think mm-hmm. that we can make it gritty and unflinching mm. and we can use the 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 facts that are verifiable as suggestions and we can mm-hmm. build a tale that we have to, you know, embroider. We have to um, mm-hmm. adorn Stitch in together. certain ways mm-hmm. to make it, you know, we may have to punch it up. We have to make some decisions, mm-hmm. you know, in the moment that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. owing to her story, but uh, mm-hmm. anything for that statue. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm uh, Melissa, if you're listening, give us a call. We'll, we'll try to find you first, but if, if um, we don't get to you, just go ahead and give us a call. Cause she's probably listening. She's probably under the sea right now. Yeah. Um, still promoting <laughs> little mermaid in Croatia or something, mm. but we're here. I will say that mm-hmm. I'm prepared to do whatever Melissa, if you are, if we want to add in some scenes, mm-hmm. we're like, 
Never mind. I was going to say, if we edit some scenes where, like, Georgia, like, buries, like, some, like, living babies or something, then, like, <laughs> then we'll do that if we need to get that Oscar. Um, if we need to get grittier than the Academy's ever wow. seen it get before, and it's just her being wow. like, roll the dirt on top of them. And somebody's like, Georgia, <laughs> you've gone mad. Burying infants alive. That is not something I expected to be discussing today. <laughs> it's but never you know been committed to film. It's, well... We should give it a goog and find out because I'm not sure, but I hope it hasn't. I actually don't and know that. And I, I'm sure there's some horrible filmmaker that's done that. I shouldn't say horrible filmmaker yeah. because of what the story is. But right. but yeah, like I'm sure that there's something <laughs> crazy like that that's happened in film. But we just need some yeah. gritty moments with her. Just like, I need we, more babies. Yeah, just to get the Oscar. Well, we, and I don't want this to be, you know, a mommy dear situation where we think we're doing something and it turns out we are not. And the Oscar, the the Academy is not knocking on our door. We got to we got to make some good oh, choices. God. And then we're doing that other. Then we're doing the other apology Ooh. tour where we're just like things got really uh, complicated. Some stuff was lost yeah. in translation on set. Um, and they're like, Brandon, it was said that you literally requested the scene with babies crying and squilling as she poured dirt on top of them. Kill Bill's style uh-huh. and mm-hmm. i'm just like look and it, who knows what happened those days were hectic you know context is so important <laughs> i was going through a lot my marriage was crumbling duh mm-hmm. and jane i really a lot of this was on jane she was the person that i had deferred Whoa. to she was my partner in the process mm-hmm. i also love that as screenwriters we're given this kind of car blanche on set to like make like <laughs> moment decisions about like shot Le- setups Le- and like we're fucking Aaron Sorkin. It's like if we write this, like nobody knows who we are. We're not let in the room. We sell it. We we say goodbye. Yeah, you know we, I mean? no, like, yeah, and we post about it so much that everybody stops following us because every every day right. it's like, ooh, my MCM post this week goes to Ron Howard, director helming the script that I wrote. Um, he's more than just Potsy's friend. Uh, he's an award winning director. And you think our first screenplay that we sell is gonna be directed? By Ron Howard. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we should be so lucky. I mean, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon got Gus Van Sant, so you never know. That's actually, you know what? You're not wrong. And look, I'm just, I'm and just, if, and if, I'm just here to say that if, if you know, Frank Perry is no longer with us, I believe. Um, <laughs> but you know, if Katy Perry's half unk was around then I may go and knock it well, around. Maybe on. Katie wants to Katie wants to get into the business. Now she hears us discussing her voice. Um, <laughs> She's like, fuck you guys. You're the two on that award winning <laughs> podcast that talked all that shit about me. No, Katie, we love what you do. We love you. Come You're on. a firework. Do you ever feel like a plastic mm. bag, Jane? Mm. Sometimes. Okay. Um, so and what would be your next love point next if love you had point to pinpoint it? It's during <laughs> another scene. I, it's the same. Yes, it's the same scene. It's a scene with. I'm sorry. This scene really was the gift they kept on giving for me. It's mm-hmm. a scene with Greg where they're in the fight. Greg grabs. <laughs> he grabs Joan and he starts shaking uh-huh. the shit out of her like really aggressively <laughs> at one point. And Joan is holding this cigarette. And then Greg is like shaking her for like. 10, 15 seconds, and then he throws her at the bed and she like topples under the bed. And like, like the whole time, this cigarette remains lit and it doesn't move out of her hand. And it was so fucking funny to me. And she takes a drag from it. And I just thought, Is she lying down when she takes a drag yes. from it? 
Oh my god. No, he's like, he's shaking her and she's just holding in her limp wrist as he's shaking her. And then he throws her at the bed and then she like rolls off the bed. But all of this is happening with this cigarette, just like, baby. Like, it is not going anywhere but down the road. Well, Greg is giving her the old Louise Woodward. And and she is. And she is just puffing. Ready for another hit off the cig. Hey, I get it. I got all you got, big man. Um, It was. Very, very, very much a vibe, and I was like, Joan remains unbothered. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love that. That's amazing. That's um, what's your next love, Jenny? <laughs> um, my next love it is I love how she's so fucking weirdly competitive with her daughter. Oh my it's god. So fucking unhinged like the fact like when she like sees her daughter sitting at her like vanity and giving like a fake like award expect uh, like um acceptance speech and joan comes in and she is out for fucking blood and she starts just like cutting her hair like a like because she doesn't want her daughter to like be beautiful is I don't know what it is it's just crazy and then she's so competitive like when racing her in like the swimming pool and it's like girl I hate ah, I hate to be the one to tell you this but I don't think you should be a parent yeah I don't yeah I don't I don't think mama was the call um no for, for you it's her daughter and like she says the daughter says like it's like when she comes and she sees her and she has like setting lotion in her hair at one point the little girl says she says like mom it's just setting lotion no. she's just trying to brush through her hair and she's like it's oh. got stuff in it and then she's like she's just like cutting it off and it is a horrifying I could scene tell, I could tell the beginning of that scene when she's like looking in the mirror and doing before Joan even comes in I was like why is that baby wearing a wig and then I was like something bad is about to happen <laughs> to her hair <laughs> her parents were like wig her no you cannot cut my daughter's hair to get some gritty storytelling moments of course not. And it's multiple wigs because you can tell they change it within the cutting scene so that she Joan has more to cut because she initially makes a really, really big cut on one side and then they cut away and then her hair is like they cut then they cut back and her hair is like much longer than She's the initial like a cut. So being. it's like they just keep switching out wigs for Faye's on a way to cut. It's no, it is it's give it yeah, and Faye probably was like, get a longer one. Yep, because I got. I made easy work of this. To do, they was like, I want, I want the girl's real hair. I'm tired of these damn wigs. I want those, I want those golden tresses underneath. Um, it's it's an unhinged scene, and she's just hacking yeah. at her hair, and she's just going, "Mommy, no!" It's awful. Um, it is truly awful. Um, yeah, I also so my next one was that like there's a scene after Greg and and uh, Joan break up, and it's just Joan mm-hmm. and C- Carol Ann on the bed cutting Greg out of all of the family photos because it's like <laughs> Greg has been around since Christina was a baby, and like if we're to believe yep. this story, although as we've said before, they're just playing with time. Um, yep. He's been like basically a father to the it's, like she calls him Uncle Greg, not half Uncle Greg. Um, but he's, I was just about to say that I'm glad you she did. She was like, but like, <laughs> she is like, he's been president. He's just gone and never to be heard from again. And mm-hmm. there, but in this scene, she, Joan just like gaily cut, like cutting him out of all of the family photos and then just putting the photos mm-hmm. back up with this whole 
where Greg's head is, I, which is it, so weird. It's so weird, like, and she's but she's like maybe all just smiles. Crop the whole photo. It's you know yeah, what I mean? it's a mess, and so <laughs> it's so funny. It's really funny, and that was yeah. uh, that was my next one. So that was pretty good. Okay, so I think this is. Let me just double check. Oh no, okay, I've got two more like a okay. point. So first, the the first one is I fucking loved seeing the no wire hangers scene <laughs> because I absolutely have heard about this scene my entire life. I think my mother has quoted it a bunch. Like I've, our friend Patrick has quoted it a bunch. And so it was like a great payoff to see the scene because it is more fucking unhinged than I thought it was going to be. Um, and it's, it's the whole thing where she comes into Christina and Christopher's room in the middle of the night. She's wearing a robe. Her face is slathered with night cream or cold cream or whatever the fuck it is. And she is obviously completely shit faced. And she walks into the closet and she's looking at all the beautiful clothes she buys Christina. And she sees one of her $300 dresses on a wire hanger. And she flips out and then makes a whole big scene, wants her to clean the bathroom floor in the middle of the night and eventually like rips Christina out of bed and beats her with a wire hanger, which is unbelievable. And um, actually, we find out later, didn't fucking happen in real life, but that's what makes the scene hilarious too because you're like okay I know this didn't happen and so it's just so over the top so ridiculous and it was a huge payoff to see that it was a cra- it's a crazy scene it comes out yeah. of out of nowhere which is the case with many of these scenes the other one is the scene after like she gets fired from MGM and then like comes home and hacks down the orange <laughs> tree in the backyard like it just comes out of left field the scenes of like the, 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 the like three or four scenes of just like wild horror in the movie which are like the choking scene when she comes home from school. This scene, which takes place in the room with the wire hangers, the scene where um, the scene where she's she's hacking the tree with the axe, the scene where she's cutting the hair off of Christina. There's like those are like the four like craziest moments in the movie, and it's mm-hmm. like they're all apropos of nothing because it's also like. Christina, although, as you said, like the little boy is now like nine or ten and Christina is the same age she was when he was a baby. But like, it's like, what does Christina have to do with her clothing and how it's being hung up in this closet? Like, where would she procure hangers from that like weren't given? Like, it's not like she's going out to like Target and like picking up like like supplies. Like anything that's there is just there because she's a child. So like, if there are hangers in the house that are wired, seems like Caroline needs to begin some of that heat. But it also seems like (laughs) Joe knows already that Caroline's about that life, and she's like, and Caroline's like. We're going to tussle. We're going to tussle. Like, we're two grown ass <laughs> women. Let's Joan, go. Joan realizes her life doesn't fucking work without Carol Ann. Absolutely. So she knows she can't, she, she, she can't freak out on her she, in the same way. Yeah, so. a, a, absolutely. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's so, that is so funny. Uh, it's, it's just so, like that. It's so great. It's not going to be, an, it's not going to be an easy battle. I remember one time <laughs> my aunt, we were talking, I don't remember what it was we were talking about. It's so funny. She's talking about like something about like, like fighting or like fighting a man or something. I remember my aunt was like, if a man ever like, she was like, if a man goes toe to toe with me, 
he may win, <laughs> but he's not leaving unscathed. And he's not and he's not going to not be sweating either. Like we're going for it. And I was like, I feel like that's like the energy of like Carol Ann of just like mm-hmm. the Carol Ann that we've created, where it's just like yeah. <laughs> if you go toe to toe with me, mm-hmm. you're going to leave. You're going to leave sweating. I feel like that was something my aunt told me you're when I was a kid. Scratch the fuck up. I feel like that was something yep. my aunt told me when I was a kid. And I was like such a like wafish child. And they were like teaching me about fighting. It's like you make sure if you somebody goes toe to toe with you. They don't leave unscathed. Um, you were like, okay. I was like, okay. Uh, I'm going to watch Money Dearest again. Um, as they try and toss a, toss a, a pigskin my way and get me out on the field. Um, but yeah, no, it, very funny. The um, My next love it point is, well, I'll put two together. One is really funny is like, okay. so, so, so Joan... <laughs> So Joan has um, she's auditioned for Mildred Pierce, which ends up being like it's a 1945 film that she ends up winning the Best Actress Academy Award for in 1946. Um, it's one of like Joan Crawford's like sort of like most well-known um, cinematic performances. A great movie later turned into mm-hmm. an HBO uh, docuseries is based on the same source material that Kate Winslet did a wonderful job in as well. Mm. Um, but that's a scene where she's, cause the whole thing is that she has audition and like Carol Ann is explaining tearfully to like Christina, like what this means. Because at this point, mm-hmm. When Joan was like 37, so like in the early 1940s, right when she was dropped from MGM, um, she was coined along with several other um, Hollywood stars as box office poison, quote unquote. There was a newspaper article. Mm-hmm. It was a whole thing. And like Mildred Pierce was a triumph that happened after this. Um, yeah. And, but it's a scene where Caroline's explaining to Christina that Joan's going to have to audition. And she's like tearfully looking at her and she's like, mommy's going to have to do a screen test. Do you know what this means? <laughs> She's going to audition. Joni C. Um, and it's just like a really funny moment. And then she's doing, there's a shot of her doing like practicing for the audition and reading lines with Carol Ann as the daughter of Vita. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene in mm-hmm. Mildred Pierce where her and her daughter are going toe to toe and Joan slaps her daughter across the face after her daughter <laughs> says something disrespectful to her. And Joan slaps the shit out of Carol Ann in this scene. And they are just reading the lines. And then Joan, like, then Joan says, I'm so, she's, she's still reading the scene though. But it, for a moment, it feels like, it feels like Joan acting as Mildred has stepped outside of her acting as Mildred to apologize mm-hmm. to Carol Ann for hitting her. But then you realize that Joan is yeah. just reading the scene and Joan. I didn't realize that. She says, yeah, like, I'm I sorry for hitting unclear. you. You're my daughter. I love you. And I was like, oh, because when she mm-hmm. says I'm sorry for hitting you, I think, oh, this is her stepping out of it and being like, oh, my God, yes. I got lost in the moment. No. She didn't get lost in right. the moment. She's like, I gotta, no. I gotta nail this scene, which means I gotta nail you across the face a couple of times. And um, <laughs> she did. She she did exactly what she needed to do. She said, "What and did the fingers say to the fucking face of the maid?" <laughs> it said slap, and then it said, "Go get me a fucking Bloody Mary." Um, it's it's a wild one. It's a wild one. I can't imagine doing yeah. doing a read through with a friend or an employee, and then mm-hmm. deciding I'm gonna give them these hands as well. Um, I'll tell you what. Just so you know, for future reference, if you ever want me to read with you for an audition that you're doing, um, that's that's off limits. What <laughs> that, about noogies? Because <laughs> I get a lot of noogie heavy um, scripts do, and stuff. Do you? <laughs> wow! So you're so you're doing you're going out for a lot of like um, early two thousands buddy comedies. Yeah, is that what's going on? A lot on? of camp counselor tees. Okay. Um, okay. A lot of that. I will say this is a brief story that. I won't give too many details on, but I was a part of a short film once and 
there's a scene where an actress has to, who plays the, a character of a mother, she has to attack her child. She has to slap her child across mm. the face. And that's what starts this sort of fight between these two characters. And a series of actresses were auditioning for this part. And there was this one actress and there's a reader who was doing the audition for the part. And he's just on screen doing the part that I would be playing as a reader. Mm-hmm. He's not an actor just for her. So she has someone to play off of in the audition and it's filmed. Right. And this actress gets to that part in the scene where it says slaps and she slaps the reader across the face. <gasps> And they call cut. And then the director's like, okay, we're going to do that again. Seems like tension's got a little bit of high. Like, if you could refrain from, like, you know, the actual hitting, like, that'd be great. And the actress goes, okay, yeah, sure. So sorry. Whatever. They do this scene a second time. She slaps him across the face again. Stop it. I swear to God. They do it a third time, and she does it again. And then they just call. Okay, thank you. It was wild to watch. Because she literally was saying, okay, got it. And then proceeded to slap the shit out of this person. That is not someone you want to work with. No, no, yeah, she didn't no matter, get the gig. No matter how good you're giving it, that is not someone you want. Well, work you can't with. take direction. Wild. No, and no. also you and, and, and you also and, assaulted like and, a crew member. And you're physically assaulting a crew member. It's just like wild. <laughs> um, but yeah. So anyway, oh. that that made me think of that. But craziness. Did you have any oh. more love it, Jane? Yeah, I have one final love it point. I love that when Christina was older and she was on this television show, uh, the secret um, storm, mm-hmm. the secret storm. And she ends up having to have surgery because she has like an ovarian, cyst, cyst, mm-hmm. a benign ovarian cyst. Joan <laughs> arranges to stand in for her daughter in this show while she is in surgery, meaning she takes over her part and plays Christina's part on the television show. Christina's like 24, Joan's like 60. Yeah. And so did this really yes, happen? This happened. That is fucking insane talk about wrapped with all like the competitiveness that Joan had with her own daughter and then playing this part that is just so fucking wild I mean clearly this the the studio who's creating this was like um absolutely we can do it we're gonna get tons of fucking viewers because that's a wild choice and her mother is Joan Crawford so of course but I just love that like Joan was like don't worry, Bippy. I'll do it. <laughs> no, absolutely. The It was a housewife. She played the character's name was Joan Borman Kane. And the character was 24 years old. And it was broadcast on October 25th, 28th, 29th, and 30th of 1968. And oh Joan Crawford just fully in her 60s played this role. Um and yeah, there are clips that you can find on YouTube if you if you look them up. Um, oh but there's God. no like full like, you know, episodes in existence. Uh, but yeah, Joan <laughs> went on four days, baby. She said, I'll give y'all I'm gonna give y'all a cute little week and I'm gonna let you take it all in because everything's still still looking right. And uh, Joni did the damn thing, and that really did happen. And it is one of the wildest yeah. like things about this story that Joan was like, and I'm sure in Joan's head she was like, "I'm gonna make sure Christina keeps up part. I'll hold down the floor. <laughs> Mama's got it." 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that. Also, I love, like, in the clips in this, they, like, do her so dirty because, like, Joan can't even read these cue cards. She is, like, <laughs> barely getting through these scenes. She is stammering <laughs> over her dialogue, and she is taking some pauses. Let's just say some pinch yeah. pauses, baby. She is, she's taking it in, trying to get these lines out. And then she's like, and then like when they go on break in the scene, like one of the producers comes over to her and she's like, the cue cards need to be higher. They've got to be higher. That's why I couldn't read them. That's why I messed it up. <laughs> it's not the three bourbon lunch you had? Okay, Joan. No, it's not the, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the dirt. That's like another one of the great scenes when she's cleaning the house and there's a big pot on the ground and like she calls oh, the maid yeah. Helga over and she pushes the pot and it's like white marble and she pushes the pot over yeah. and there's just a ring of dirt on the ground and she looks at her and she's like, you have to move the pots. She's going, not angry at you. I'm angry at the dirt. And uh, just another great line. My final love it point is that like when Christina mm-hmm. comes home from school, she's at the house. She's like in her teen years at this point. She goes into Joan's bedroom because Joan has this incredible closet and she's got this chaise lounge mm-hmm. in her closet. Joan isn't just drunk and passed out. Joan's body is literally like it's askew. Like Joan is she's upside down, basically drunk. Yep. Her feet are mm-hmm. hanging off of like the back like the the back of like the chaise lounge and her head is all but on the ground her body's upside down <laughs> it is the craziest position for a human body to be in and something about mm-hmm. a quick pan to it is so funny it just comes <laughs> out of it nowhere like a- it's like not only is she drunk but she's literally the drunkest person to ever exist like it looks like she passed she fell and passed out in the same position she fell in <laughs> so fucking and then, wild. and then like of course caroline warhorse coming through with uh and her and chrissy get mama up on all uh you know yep. on those two legs and let's get her to the bed hope for a better tomorrow <laughs> but um but it is a really funny scene also so there's a scene good. that i do just think is really funny k moss apparently said there's a scene at the beginning of the movie when joan's doing her beauty prep and she's got this mm-hmm. ice water that she's putting all over her skin yeah that's supposed to like she's dunking her face in a bowl of ice to like, and it's supposed to make your skin tight and k mm-hmm. moss said that she got that that's her joan crawford beauty hack that she that she has used before which i thought was interesting well It's not uncommon. And now people do like um, they have this thing. It's called like an ice roller and you fill it with water. You put it in your freezer and then you pull it out in the morning and you rub it all over your face. It's much less like shocking Shocking. moment, but it helps like depuff and tighten your skin. So lots of people do the the ice ice stuff. Have you ever tried it? I've I've tried it. Yeah, it's really good. I just don't have one of those ice rollers. Have you ever dunked your head into a bowl of ice water before? No, no, no. I've just taken ice. Did you do the ice bucket challenge when people were doing that? I, you know what? I didn't. I I didn't. I think I think people tagged me in it, but I never did it. Wow. Did you do it? Uh, Yeah, I did. Oh, good for you. I I I I must have missed it. (laughs) I didn't because it was a really big. It was a big talking mm-hmm. point in the news, and I just wanted to help I, out any way that I could. Cultural moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you made your choice. Um, so mm-hmm. let's move over to the loathe it's. Yes, I'd love to. Because I loathe you I'd, not doing I'd, the ice bucket challenge, if it wasn't clear. <laughs> I didn't do it either. Okay. Yeah, I know you didn't. Stop. 
<laughs> my first low that point <laughs> is you lying. But then my next low that point <laughs> is they did every version of Christina so dirty with her hairstyles. The hair I don't was know wild what this movie. <laughs> they were fucking doing with her, but it was never okay. That, I can see that. Okay, that's good. That's good. Oh, oh, that's cute. Never. Christina's hair looked insane in every scene. I I have kind of a theory. I think because Diana Scarwood was actually like, I think like only like 13, 14 years younger than Faye Dunaway. Mm -hmm. She was like Mm -hmm. 25. And I think that a part of it was like they were trying to make her, they were trying to infantilize her and they were trying to make her look young for like, Mm -hmm. especially in those teen years. And they thought, let's just go super short and that'll like sell the youth. But I do agree with you that it's like, it was really short. And like, even if you look up some photos of of Christina Croft, the actual Christina during this period her hair wasn't that short so i don't really know like what it was it's almost they make it seem like from that from when she was a little girl and her hair got cut that it never grew back like i feel like that's the tease (laughs) but they're just like joan cut it joan cut it baby (laughs) she cut it off and she did it she did some irreparable exactly but like also it's like that like headband look where they put a headband and then pulled out some curly tendrils in the front like it just looked wild i don't know who was in charge of it but it was not the moment no i you know in my first all it was just that i like i i don't know it's not like a loathed per se but it's just like there was so mm-hmm. much drama like on this set mm. and like it just it's one of those like really interesting things when you like look into this movie that there was like mm-hmm. so many so many issues and like costume designer like really famous costume designer irene sharaf came out of mm-hmm. retirement apparently like to do the costumes for this movie and apparently stormed off set. And there was a quote that she said, because her and Faye Dunaway were going at it. And she said something to the effect of like, after coming out of Faye Dunaway's dressing room, like if you plan on going in there, I throw a raw steak in to distract her first. Like, so (laughs) that is an incredible line. It really is. And so they apparently were going at it, but I will say it's crazy because Faye Dunaway's costumes are so incredible in this film. Like every one of these dresses, every one of these gowns is Mm -hmm. so good. There's a silver dress that she's wearing. Like, uh, when Mm. the kids are smaller, it's like, it's these, like, it's almost like plates of like sequin. And it is like, it's kind of Grecian. It is just, Mm -hmm. there's so many amazing, which and Joan Crawford was no, for her fashions if you look her up like her her outfits were just top notch but that was something Absolutely. it was like just to hearing about all of the descent on the set was a bit of a, mm-hmm. a low that in the fact that like you know Faye Dunaway apparently was really into the method method acting which meant that like she it's stayed in character like no one had a good time making this movie <laughs> yeah and like and apparently like just like from all the reports apparently like, Frank no Perry came out it. and was like you know the best thing about the movie was the joy on set and uh, the actors came out and I think Ratanya was on and she was like nope that's a fiction <laughs> Well, I look forward to reading Ratanya's oh, book. Oh, baby, I'm reading because, it. Because, um, yeah, that's that's going to be the real team. But, yeah, so that was um, so that was mine. Did you have any more loathits? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have a few. Yeah. I think we've I think we've covered this one at length. But just 
poor Carol Ann. Yeah. That's my, yeah. I mean, she lived a life of loyalty and I, <laughs> I don't know where all that money went. It didn't go to the kids. It should have gone to Carol Ann or Billy Green or whoever. Yeah. It was based like, on, yeah, I guess it was like multiple people that, that, that they put together to make one long suffering character. Um, yeah. And they decided to age her the fuck up. Cause they were like, mm-hmm. Faye was like, she needs to be older. And they were yeah. like, she's your contemporary, though. And she's like, not in this version. No, 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 no. They were like, we want to add a couple lines to you. She's like, you can add some lines to that script. Not to this mug, though. And I will eat them up. Not to this alabaster. Um, my, mine was like, I, like the pacing of the movie. I've mentioned this already, but I don't think I noticed mm-hmm. how crazily paced this movie is. We move yes. through time. Like time is just a suggestion. It is just something to have to contend with. Like, no, yeah. like it is not something that we are beholden to baby. Like we are moving no, no, no. through time at whatever rate we choose. And like events are happening yeah. so close together. Like even like there are scenes where people are like all of a sudden way older. Like, like Christina goes from being a baby to being like a 10 year old so fast. Mm-hmm. And like, we don't get any, of those formative years so like Mm-mm. it is just like it's it's unclear like relationships are not fully developed even um Mm-mm. there's even the whole thing where like um which we didn't even talk about the um we didn't talk about uh joan crawford's uh we didn't talk about joan crawford's uh don't fuck with me fellas which is another really famous scene pepsico where she goes and she sits before the board oh, and yeah, they're trying yeah. to remove her from mm-hmm. the board she was married to alfred Steele, and um her fourth husband, yeah. And um, after they were married, Joan Crawford used a lot of like, uh, he's a president of Pepsi Cola um, and then a chairman of the board for Pepsi Cola. Joan Crawford used and demanded in that Pepsi be featured in like all of her films during this period. Mm-hmm. So there's always a Pepsi reference. There's a Pepsi machine or there's someone drinking a Pepsi Cola or something. And when Al dies, the board tries to basically remove Joan from the board. The board. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those iconic scenes where Joan, it's a room full of like older white men who are basically telling her that they're going to go ahead and retire her from the board. Mm -hmm. And uh, Joan lets them know I fought bigger monsters than you in Hollywood. I fought bigger monsters than you for years in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I know how to win the (laughs) law. I know how to win the hard way. Don't fuck with me, fellas. This ain't my first rodeo. And it is amazing. It is one of the most yeah. quotable lines from the movie. And and it's the one moment where you actually root for her in this movie. Because yeah. she makes it real hard in a lot of other scenes. But you think, like, no, she shouldn't get fucked over like this by a bunch of rich white dudes who... Because, I mean, part of her struggle throughout the movie is just finding financial, like... Stability. You know, stability, yeah. Mm. And they're trying to knock her out of it. No, so, for sure. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's a lot. It's a, I mean, there's a lot more to her and a lot more to her story. I know that Joan Crawford had mm-hmm. like cosmetic surgeries as well, allegedly, like something like mm-hmm. molars or something she had removed in her mouth to create that sort of like it, that. It's kind of what these what the girlies are doing with the buckle fat removal now to create that mm-hmm. sort of like gaunt look. Um, and mm-hmm. apparently later on, later in life, it, it she had a lot of like dental issues as a result of those surgeries. Yeah. Um, so there was a yeah. lot of it. She's suffered there was a lot of pain a lot of the like a lot of the hollywood actresses from this time period went through a lot of physical pain that like went like yeah unknown. she she 
she was like a shut in for the like yeah. last few years of her life. Yeah, wasn't she was. She? she was a recluse. Yeah. There was, there was, um, there was that famous. There was a famous photograph um, of Joan Crawford um, from. It was from like the 1960s. It was from the 1960s. Joan Crawford made an appearance at. Uh, it was a party, I think, that was thrown in 1974 for her friend Rosalind Russell, um, another very you know famous actress from uh, this time period. And apparently the photograph was published in the newspapers and Joan was horrified. And she said, if that's the way I look, they won't see me anymore. And she oh that was God. the point where she no longer um, made public appearances because she was so horrified um, by aging, essentially. Um so yeah, it was just a oh, if you loathe anything, it's just a hard lived life all around. I mean, like every yeah. everyone involved, and uh, yeah. Did you know a little oh, bit? Man, yeah, I have one more that I think is worth talking about. Yeah. Um, I hate the idea that Joan, or at least the Joan character in this movie, sort of set the tone with Christina that she. Because of the generosity of Joan adopting her, even though she was probably stolen and purchased, um, you know, into this lavish life, this fame, this fortune, apparently, that it was her responsibility to sort of spend her life and her childhood paying Joan back for that generosity by being the quote perfect daughter exactly what Joan wanted her to be and I hated that feeling for her like I hated that like you know there was a meekness about Christina as a kid that you know she later shook off as an adult that made that you know she had to be paraded around in front of the cameras and talk about how grateful she was that her mom adopted her and all that kind of stuff and I just, you know, the God, what a horrible message to send to your children. Oh, I, absolutely. It just broke, broke my heart. Like, that's a fucked up thing to feel. No, absolutely. You know? To feel beholden to someone for, you know, what they did for you. And like, it's, it's like it's like a more right. warped version of that thing. You know, parents who have money and who, you know, have children and then like they spend their kids, you know, lives reminding them that they had nothing and that they should be grateful. And I mean, gratitude is one thing, mm -hmm. like be grateful for the things that you have, be grateful for the things that we have but like lording right. over your children that like you know that they if it wasn't for you they'd have nothing and like using that as a way to try and like create a kind of like I don't know to endear yourselves to your children I think it's just like it's messy and it's well it's like to create like a humbleness is like she's just I don't want a, a spoiled brat for a child and it's like sure of course but there's absolutely more ways to foster absolutely. that than like <laughs> than whatever she was doing yeah and it was just you know painful heartbreaking oh no, yeah and i will say i guess my last like low lit point would just be that like this ended mm -hmm. up being like what it but it ended up being like in faye dunaway's mind you know because it's this is yeah. movie that is so celebrated and obviously the gays find it as they often do find the things mm -hmm. that have been sort of relegated you know and they 
take things that are ugly and awful and they often like find ways to repurpose them and to claim them. Mm -hmm. And like, this is like another example of that. So it had this sort of like different life than what was intended for it. And it's like, I just, I, I feel like I would hope regardless of what's true and what's false about the film, I'd hope that like Faye Dunaway, she's still, you know, alive. I hope that she's able to like make some sort of peace with like what this movie is and like find some way to celebrate it for what it is instead of sort of like I guess getting caught up in all the things that it wasn't able to be for her and I know it was a turning point in her career and like it it greatly like affected like the trajectory of her career following it for a number of years but like mm -hmm. just you know there's just unfortunate you know yeah but I mean like it's it goes back to the thing where it's like life is life nothing you know nothing nothing turns out the way you planned it but you make the best of it and if it's a turning point in your career that's for you know I mean you don't necessarily have total control over that and you know trying to make the best of a scenario that happens so like I I hope I wish that for her as well again like uh, I have no idea what that feels like so it seems sort of like obnoxious for me to be like hey slap a smile on girl and be happy about it but I mean that's not what I mean to say what I mean is like you know hopefully at this point in her life she can see the value of being part of something that is like such a cultural moment whether it was the thing that she wanted it to be or not absolutely well that was our episode of Mommy Diris um here on the pod Jane I have two questions for you yeah my first question is would you watch this movie again I would absolutely watch this movie again. Probably not, you know, right away, but definitely I would watch this movie. Not, again. not, not anxious to hit that replay before that that rental no. period's over. Yeah, definitely got got my fill of it. It was great. I do think it's like a little long. Like I agree. it could have been cut down a little. It's bit. It's a little long. <laughs> I was watching down. it. I was thinking we could yeah. wrap this up. We don't need this scene. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> the other thing I didn't mention was that. Apparently, also, uh, Rutanya Alda said that, like, in scenes, Faye Dunaway, like, forced, like, actors to, like, stand so that, like, their backs were to the camera and, like, stand inside (laughs) profiles so that, like, you were only getting the beauty that was Faye Dunaway mainly and, like, other actors were blurred out in certain scenes and stuff just to make sure you understood what was really I mean, that's the double-edged sword, too, though, of, like, this, of, like, Faye Dunaway in this film is that it's, like, it hinges on her performance, and it seems like she worked to make that the case without, you know. And, like, also, like, her husband worked on the film. I mean, her Faye Dunaway's boyfriend, Terry O'Neill, worked on the film. Christina Crawford's husband worked on the film. There was tussles back Mm -hmm. and forth about, like... Joan being too much, Joan not being enough. So it's a really, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a lesson too. And just like, I think communication and like vision and an understanding of what the vision is and who's at the helm of it. Um, Sorry, I spliced that in right at the end, but Jane said she would watch this movie again. I agree with you, Jane. I think I need a, I think a little bit of time away from it, but like it had been years since I've seen this movie. So a lot of this was new to me. A lot of it forgot about. Um, And then uh, my last question for you is, do you have a movie for me to watch next week? I do. Okay. I do have a movie for for you to watch next week. And um, we are going to revisit. Revisit. uh, Well, it's going to be a revisiting for me, but it will be brand new for you. We are going to touch on, pick apart watch and um you know share opinions on 1999's drive me crazy oh my god 
<laughs> the Melissa Joan Hart vehicle. The thing I remember about this movie most is the making the video mm. that Britney Spears did on MTV. Of course. Um, of course. And her, like, it was like a really like a metallic neon green like tube top. Yes. That's yes. the thing that I remember more than anything about this movie. Um, I don't remember I this movie that. at all. I think I mm-hmm. did see this movie when it first mm. came out. But when I tell you I don't okay. remember it, I mean I don't remember it. Um I just wow. remember that Melissa Joan Hart is in it. And I think Adrian mm-hmm. Grenier. And yes. that's it. So I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be a yeah. fun one to revisit. It's feeling very summery. So yeah. I think that uh, there's we haven't had Melissa. No, we have had Melissa Joan Hart on here. We did Holiday in Handcuffs. <gasps> You're right. Oh, my God. I forgot. We haven't had a, yeah. we haven't had a, a, a cinematic release. Just You're yet. Right. But <laughs> this one, this one was in theaters. Let's not forget there was a moment in time Melissa Joan Hart was that girl. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's only fitting that we we celebrate one of the the early odds girlies. And uh yeah, I look forward Absolutely. to that, Jane. Awesome. Well, thank you, listeners. We hope you made it to the end. We hope you enjoyed chatting with us about mommy dearest. Um, I know Brandon and I joined it and enjoyed it um thank you brand for um chatting with me as always we love you and we hope that you will um chat with us throughout the week and um you can do that via social media at movies we missed on instagram or facebook and we will see you next week for the classic 1999 drive me crazy Something was off. I don't know what was off. I thought you were trying to harmonize. I didn't know what was going on. Okay, well, we did it. I'm normally higher than that. That's where I live. I think you were lower is what I think it was. Did you feel lower? It wasn't me, but no, I didn't. Okay. No, I was just asking. Very jo- no, it was a very Joan Crawford. Oh, good. It was good. Totally yeah. fine. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. That's awesome. No. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Amazing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. 
Yeah. That's great. That's that explains why I logged on and it said enter your name and Tara's name was in there. And I was like, why? Well, maybe she just use this for something. But OK, that makes sense. <laughs> um. Well, great. All right. Well, sorry. I, I do the bullet points really quickly. After.